0: Welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 27, Truenas Scale. Now it's still in beta, folks, but I want people to be excited about it, which I actually know they are. Uh, this is the excitement of the audience asking about Truenas Scale is why we're talking about Truenas Scale, and yep. even G is going to be trying it out because I'm going to need G's help on my upcoming Truenas Scale knowledge because it's got some familiar words baked in there like Kubernetes and Docker and jay knows kubernetes and docker yep uh, way more than tom so uh jay's Jay's like oh i'm not that good at it i'm like well well you're way better than me at it so
1: i i set the bar really high for myself and until i hit this ridiculous metric i don't consider myself good yeah (laughs) just a personal thing so yeah
0: yeah so uh it's a collaborative thing and we thought we'd bring it over to the home lab show because we know a few of you have been interested in some of those same topics and TrueNAS scale presents a pretty cool platform to run this on. So yep. that's what our topic is for today. We're going to dive into what is it? Why is it so much different than uh, the BSD based TrueNAS core? And uh, I also, if anyone already watched my video on the topic, you'll know, uh, there's a performance hit you might take going there right now as of September of uh, 2021, because it's in beta, it doesn't seem to perform as well as core yet, but that's to be expected when you're talking about uh, a new product, which when we talk about what's under the hood here, they did a lot of engineering in it. So there's, um, there's a lot of work that went into it, so they haven't had time to give it a tune-up yet.
1: <laughs> and, and I've been try, I've been playing around with it, so I, I could play the role of the um, more entry-level person that has a few questions about it, but I have been running it uh, for a few days now. so
0: Yeah. All right. But before we dive into that, we must thank a sponsor of the show, and that is Linode. If you're listening to this podcast and downloaded it from the homelab.show website, you downloaded it from Linode. They have been a sponsor, a uh, great sponsor and a great way to get started on home lab when you don't have access to servers or you want to build some cloud applications. Or you, even better, um, you're worried that you are. I think this is a, a one topic that we'll have to cover at some point: building your own VPN server. And Linode's a place yes. you can do that uh, because you never know if your VPN provider happens to also work for some clandestine government, maybe doing illegal things and maybe gets in the news about it. You don't know that. But if you run it yourself, you could know that. So yep. uh, that might be a fun topic, though. Logless VPN servers in Linode. And tell me a little more about Linode. Jay, you've been using it for a while, right?
1: I have. And I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind when you say not logging is sending all the logs to Null, Because you can do that if you are the captain of the ship, so to speak. Yeah. You have the server. And you can make sure that the logs are not being captured, which is pretty fun. And, you know, like I've mentioned before... I don't know if anyone listening is new, but you know, Learn Linux TV is running all on Linode right now, and I feel like it's a great complement to the home lab because you, as the home lab, you know, captain, so to speak, you have um, some some things local, home lab, local servers, but there might be some things that you don't want local that you don't want exposed. And we're crafty people; we're very creative. We can have uh, things like zero tier between our home lab and Linode. Uh, on that end to um, segregate things into tunnel things. So we could do some pretty crafty things there with the access and they have a marketplace, one click apps. They just add, added a uh, guacamole, like what today or yesterday. I don't remember. Yeah. So they're, they're constantly adding new things and it's a lot of fun to use.
0: For sure. But if you need to get started with a node, we have an offer code down below. Go ahead and click on that. It gets you some uh, time on their servers to get started. It gets got an offer code on there that is, Really beneficial to you and helps out the channel. So thank you for Linode for sponsoring this. Now over to TrueNAS Scale. I see the questions coming in right away on this. There's going to be um, things that are just not done yet. And one of them, right. by its namesake, and this is not something we're going to dive deep into because it's simply not ready, but I'll touch on the topic. The TrueNAS Core is the evolution of FreeNAS coming into being TrueNAS and a consolidation of the code bases that were FreeNAS and TrueNAS. So FreeNAS was the free version. TrueNAS was the paid version uh, that was part of their enterprise support package. They just merged them into one name, and that new name is TrueNAS Core. So there's the history of how we got to that. But it's always been FreeBSD-based. The reason for that is because ZFS is an absolutely amazing file system, but it was not supported well, there's a lot of conflicts of why it really wasn't working well inside of Linux. Fast forward to 2021 here. We have ZFS kernel modules in the Linux kernel now. So now that there's support and the open ZFS and all the little, uh, I'm not going to get into the history of the nuance of that because it'd take us way off topic of (laughs) the the, uh, arguments between licenses and things that, um, yeah, that's complicated topics. But either way, yes, it works now. Yes, there's ways to do it. And that means that the team over at TrueNAS is working on a Linux-based and net scale. And for its namesake, it stands for scale out. What scale out means, and versus just core, core has the ability to be redundant with redundant motherboards and a really high end. And I reviewed these, uh, for example, would be the uh, iX Systems M50 system. And the M50 has dual redundant motherboards, so it can be really high availability and keep that system up and running but scale out means a little bit different scale for its namesake means it can scale as in stack a lot of servers together is their goal. So you can buy physically multiple servers, tie them together into a cluster. Now this is the part that I'm not going to get too much into me and Jay were talking about it a little bit before the show, but one, this is beta Two, um, setting up cluster and things like that is they're trying to make it a lot simpler in scale. But it, when you start saying, cluster them together it's not like they automatically just turn into one mega thing so you don't take three of them or four or five put them in and they suddenly cumulatively pull their powers together to create your super server with redundancy across there there's a lot that goes on Within doing that, there's also a performance hit. You don't scale up the performance that easily because now you're relying a lot on networking between all these devices to get all that data across your cluster. So your networking has to be able to support that. Networking adds latency versus doing everything just against the drives. Matter of fact, we you know Wendell's covered this many times, and he just did a video about uh, building sands, and he talks about the challenges of you know getting the data, especially at MVME speeds, you know through the system using RDMA with the uh, network interfaces. When you talk about adding another abstraction layer on top of that, doing something like Gluster, you're not gonna instantly get more speed because you've just added another layer on top of trying to get performance. Gluster is more designed to have that data scalability and expandability, not necessarily uh, to increase speed by having more nodes. It doesn't equate the same as it does like having more hard drives in a RAID array gives you that more redundancy but doesn't necessarily um mean well if we add five and it's this fast if we add five more is it that much faster and the answer is not exactly so <laughs> we won't dive too much into that topic but that is why the namesake of it is true NAS uh, scale but it's uh the back to the part where jay has some expertise is yep. what features are in true NAS scale and once again this is beta so uh Try at your own risk, but there is an in-place upgrade that can be done. I just covered that in a video. Uh, but uh, what did we learn the other day, Jay, when I was uh, hanging out with you?
1: Yeah, legacy encryption is um, not something that you can um, move over to TrueNAS Scale because you know we have free free BSD on one side with uh, I believe it's pronounced Jelly um, yep. key encryption. And then that that doesn't exist on Linux. So um, if you do the in place upgrade, it's not going to tell you, "Hey, you really shouldn't do this because you know you you yeah. have the wrong kind of encryption." It, okay, yeah, it'll let you do it, and then um, you know you'll find out that you can't unlock your um, your volume. So then right. uh, you got to go back to um, and and there's. Probably, most likely, I don't want to promise, but a video coming with Tom and I about how how we're going to solve this problem. I'm literally working on it right now, and it's going to be multi-days until, you know, the process is complete. But, you know, it'll probably, excuse me, end up in a video.
0: Yes. So me and Jay embarked on a mission to upgrade him because I upgraded my systems. I thought, we'll upgrade Jay's systems. And so... Uh, it turns out that, that, as we said, the GELI, uh, Jelly, I think is how it's pronounced, the encryption keys that were in the old version, it dates back to free NAS, are BSD only. And also, I didn't know Jay was using them.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I could out. have mentioned that, you know, but I didn't. So I should have um,
0: asked, but yeah, it, this is why we're sharing this knowledge to you. So if you've been doing in place upgrades, as Jay has for a very long time, those encryption keys are only supported in BSD. So you can't do the migration. You can do the migration if you built your pool with the more modern ZFS native encryption. And uh, that is means you can go back and forth between true NAS core or scale and do in-place upgrades or roll back. Uh, the good news is the rollback system is pretty straightforward. So if you do this, you can roll back, but big right. warning, if you have a lot of jails, this is where the tooling is going to be very different. The jails in TrueNAS core are based on the BSD IO cage system. So that's how the containerization works. The, containerization inside of TrueNAS scale is Docker. And I think that's where people get excited right away because when you start talking about Docker, you talk about better support. Cause I mean, I can think of things like Docker hub and Docker poll and a million articles about how to do different things in Docker. They also have Kubernetes in there. They also are using KVM, but you go over the BSD side. How many of you have a ready built image and IO cage for things?
1: <laughs> how are you, Jay? I, said, I, do. I, I don't personally have that.
0: Yeah, and that's what created a lot of problems in uh, the FreeBSD world, was trying to find enough package maintainers for a less popular package. So people will complain like, oh, the packages are a little behind or just don't exist for popular products. And obviously in the Docker world, there's a Docker container for like everything. There's probably more Docker containers than the world needs to have, but at least some of the big projects out there, the really popular ones, uh, are actually maintaining it. I think, is it a blue check mark they get when you go on Docker Hub? It's something Um, like that.
1: I there's there's a list
0: 100%. that you can there's a when you're filtering for them, you can find official that way you're not just pulling some rando uh one you're actually pulling from the official, yeah. but that's the point you want to be able to have access to a lot of different things, and this is where it gets really cool because with true nas scale, they're building this all in, and they're going to be uh building it with these Docker containers with the um and I'm not as familiar with this and Jay's, I think maybe a little more than me, they're also integrating the helm charts in there to be able to pull things in. And there's another affiliate, not directly from IX systems, but it's called um, true charts and true charts is another one of the feeds you can put in there to be able to pull. It, this gives you some really slick. Uh, and I did in my review, talking about this It's really slick. You can pull so many applications built in there. And my understanding is at some point you'll be able to easily just do a Docker poll and grab, other Docker images and start building them in there.
1: Yeah, I played around with it a little bit. I'm I meant to you know be further along. I I had this really bonehead thing happen where, you know, it's not getting an IP address on the on the you know spare server, and I'm like, what's going on? And you know, spend a whole evening on it, wasted the whole evening just to find out. Oh, it's on the wrong VLAN. I probably <laughs> should have checked that. So um, this morning, um, as of this morning, it you know Truenas scale is set up on my end, and I installed Nextcloud. And it was right in the GUI. Just click install. Um, just as easy as it is in Truenas Core. Like unless you were looking for the back end or you wanted to know what the back end was, you probably wouldn't even notice that it's Docker or Kubernetes unless you were, you know, look at at the verbiage or something. And I have to say, for being a beta, I'm not giving anyone an invitation to switch their production servers over just yet. But I'm kind of surprised at how polished it already is.
0: Yeah. The, the overall polish of it, like, I was able to muddle my way through, I should say, uh, in setting up a few different things, like sync thing, popular things I've used before in scale And it went pretty well. The, um, the availability, man, when you, once you load the TrueCharts on there, you have the official repositories for my systems, and you have this additional one I added, TrueCharts. charts. And I was like, wow, there's a lot in here. And this is a cool yeah. feature they've given you, is easy ways in a standard format to add other resources on there so you can have more repositories or even give you they give you the ability to create your own. So if you're really enterprising like Jay is eventually Jay will probably have his own custom feed (laughs) and yeah you you could build a series of containers and everything that it pulls and builds the system. This is a, a pretty big advanced step forward and they put a lot of effort and tooling into this and I'll um I hate to say, but I'm going to throw a little shade at the Unraid people because people are t- trying to get us to review Unraid. Neither me nor use Unraid, but this is actually something we've been waiting for was to true NAS scale because it solves the problem, so to speak, or the use case, I should say, not really problem, of all the reasons people like Unraid. They're building a lot into this, and i even seen um, there's some pass-through options that are really beta right now, but they're building some of that in there, too. I've seen people message me that they got it working. I've seen posts where people got pass-through working it's because it's using KVM and it's using Docker and it's familiar environments where there's a lot of documentation because the IO cage pass-through documentation isn't near as good as the Docker one. So this checks all those boxes people were looking for. And I get, you know, I completely understand people who want to do a series of pass-through things, but they also want that confidence you get being able to rely on ZFS. And, you know, me and Jay have both been uh, accused of being in the cult of ZFS Hail ZFS or however you guys want to.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy to do if you're, I mean, we, it's like our content is a passion project. So of course, we're just going to talk about the things we're passionate about. I mean, I could totally understand people having that opinion, but at the same time, I mean, if you're not doing it for fun, what's the point, right? And these are the things that we find fun. So um, we, we like to check out new things anytime we can, but some things are really hard to give the same amount of attention as your primary thing because, you know, I use PFSense. And like we talked before, am I going to want to convert everything over to something else and spend weeks of architecture or re architecting to do a video? I mean, I probably should do that, but that's a lot of time. So sometimes it's just uh, status quo is easier.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot to be said when, you know, you're, we know all this stuff works in ZFS. We know the TrueNAS Core, like we trust the, as a development, there's years and years and years of development that's gone into this at the enterprise level, but also accessible by the home lab people. This is one right. of the cool things about this. Uh, I'm installing, and I have some videos coming up on some of these, you know, petabyte scale systems. That's not being bought by home users, by the way. This is being bought by large businesses and integrated with other systems they have that are already running this, and they're replacing some of the other names you've heard of, like Dell, EMC, or uh, different things by. Yeah, uh, Nimble by HP. We've uh, talked to, to a company that's replacing some of these. This stuff is really well used in the enterprise. That's why it's so well developed, and th- it's amazing because it's still free for you, the home lab person watching this show, to just go and download this big open source project that's got all this uh, resources and energy put into developing it.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a couple quick thoughts I had about the home lab uh, tie into this because I kind of feel like some people might have the thought process or the question like, why would I as a home lab person want to use TrueNAS scale? And the reason why I think you might want to consider that is because um, TrueNAS core is the standalone, essentially um, standalone. I mean, obviously we can network anything um, with the right settings, but it's a, you know, it's core, it's standalone. And then scale, obviously, like I said, it scales out. In the home lab, I mean, we could argue that people aren't really scaling out servers. That's usually like an enterprise thing one server for the average home lab person could serve the whole house but where i think this really does tie into home lab and why you people still might want to consider scale and why it's probably even better is the um you know the fact that we have kubernetes and docker here and these are things that home lab people are learning anyway and then we have kvm virtualization which is another thing that people in, with home lab are learning every uh, you know anyway so even though we as home lab people, we're probably not going to buy like 50 servers. Although let's be honest, that'd be pretty freaking cool. Um, <laughs> i love that. But we generally, generally speaking, we'll have like one NAS server, maybe two if we have some kind of like a redundancy thing going on. But we don't have like a bunch of them. But even if we have just one server, we benefit because a feature set maps better to home lab, in my opinion, than TrueNAS Core does. So I think once this becomes final. Then I think it would be worth a comparison that, um, see if that holds true. My opinion holds true that it is actually better for home lab. And I think that's probably based on what I'm seeing, the uh, conclusion we'll get to. Yeah. The,
0: um, other thing that I wanted to talk about inside of scale, and it's the fact that it's got a CLI system that's very different. This mm-hmm. is not something I've explored much, but, What they refer to it as just the TrueNAS CLI, and it's very API driven. One of the reasons for doing this is it wasn't as much of a simple thing you could do inside of TrueNAS Core. And what I mean by simple is you want to script things. You want to start deploying these servers and be able to script it. One of the first warnings you get when you've, I don't know if you ever noticed this, Jay, when you log in the TUNAS core from the command line, you'll get this warning. Changes made here will not be reflected and are not saved per, or not. Pers- I think it says like not persistently saved right. inside the UI. That's because they're all stored in type of database. Now, the database storage of these functions is nice, makes it easy for backups. So you're not trying to chase around a bunch of random config files, but it makes it difficult for people who want to do things like Ansible. This is where Scale has an API system in there that allows you to interact with it and, of course, allows for scripting. Because now you can just push API calls to it, which means you could either do it from inside the system to pushing these API calls or uh, establish a connection to it to make the API calls. And this is something they have with Core now, too. They're working on some API stuff, but it's been really well developed to allow a scripted. Uh, Faster install and setup of these. So eventually, uh, there will be Jay and his Ansible deploy will include how to do a true NAS scale server when he gets, when he gets,
1: probably will. Yeah. I I don't know though. I mean, because it's one of those things where rebuilding a NAS is kind of a, a special kind of animal here because it's not just the server configs. And if you're doing it right, if you have redundancy in the boot volume, redundancy on the data, hopefully you shouldn't ever need to redo it. So you could argue that the amount of work to automate it might be more than the amount of time you you would actually spend rebuilding it, you know, which is hopefully never. Yeah. Then again, um, I, I do a lot of things in Ansible that is probably taking me way more time than the time it's saving me because it's so fun. So I could very well just do that to say I've done it, but, um, or just to use it as practice, but it's nice to know I can do that.
0: Yeah. And I think that the big thing about this is when you're talking about the home lab, it's fun to learn on, but if you do look at some of the use cases, some of these businesses may have for this um, businesses are, you know, accumulating data at an incredible rate, including in especially the automotive sector. This is something uh, relational to my business here. We, We support different sections of the automotive sector here because I'm in the Detroit area. And some of these clients, they're, you know, Just the amount of storage it takes, the amount of engineering that goes into these vehicles or the data or telemetry they need from means they are really ramping up their data needs and their data warehousing to make better decisions about cars. The data's got to go somewhere. You have to scale out those servers, and that's kind of one of the niches that they're trying to work into. We're also seeing an increase in general, and, of course, they're all running core because this is production stuff of a lot of movie companies that we're consulting with on there. So they're trying to add clusters as the you know camera resolution gets higher that means the rate of ingesting data and the amount of data you create gets higher and once again this is where all this kind of gets converged in there to be able to add these in so I'm really excited when to get the clustering uh, working because it will be something kind of cool to be able to spin up another one build a base data set and then add it to the cluster. This is all kind of where TrueNAS scale is going from a larger scale design.
1: Yep. Another thing too is that um, this kind of changes the the uh, conversation a bit when we're talking about um, TrueNAS versus Synology, because before today, I would say Synology is a great fit for someone who wants like easy Docker containers to run because it's, it you know, the integration in Synology is really good. And then I would argue that TrueNAS isn't as good. I mean, jails are nice and all but if you want to run containers you could probably find a way to do it but it's not going to be native or whatever so um now we have some of the features that made synology stand out a little bit in TrueNAS scale which is actually um, blurring the line a little bit and from what i've seen so far granted only one day the integration with containers is really good so now uh, and also virtual machines too because um it's not like we didn't have that before but it's kvm now so at this point, you know, it's getting closer to Synology. Another reason why it might be a good fit for home lab.
0: Yeah, one of the other things that's going to be interesting is they're integrating ZFS with the Docker and Kubernetes. So being ZFS aware means it's going to have the ability to do snapshots and be able to switch things very quickly because the way ZFS snapshots work almost makes it transparent how fast you can revert back to a specific area so you can snapshot exactly there and this is the advantage of a copy on write file system where you can say this point in time is where the snapshot occurs without taking things down it also then allows you to quickly roll it back you do that orchestration with something like kubernetes and so now we can iterate through different versions and upgrades by simply snapshotting backwards Of uh, it, it adds another dimension to how fast you can get things back up and running this is another right. feature that they are kind of uh building in there is having it not just run Kubernetes, but Kubernetes integrated with some of the uh, functionality of the operating system to make this
1: that much better. So it's really, it's really pretty slick. It is. Speaking of slick, I like the interface uh, and how they simplified it because at first I thought that TrueNAS scale had fewer options. And it it does because it's beta. So there's going to be some things missing, but the menu was like half the length of the TrueNAS core menu, and at first I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of missing features because I was looking for um, Cloud Sync tasks. I'm like, okay, well, that's not here. And then I looked at the uh, data protection section, and when you click on data protection, then underneath that, you have your scrub tasks, you have Cloud Syncs, R Syncs, Smart Tests, Replications, Snapshots, all under that one menu, which to me kind of makes more sense. So it's not that those things are missing, you, you might think that they're missing, but when you click on that menu, it makes sense. So now I think it might get to a point where it's harder to go back to TrueNAS Core because I like the new layout.
0: Yeah, lot. that that is an interesting uh, deviation. If you Those of you that are already familiar with TrueNAS Core is they've changed the way they name things a little bit and consolidated things a little bit better. The permissions, now that is a buggy portion of the beta one, I will confirm. People ask me to do a video on it. And I'm like, ah, if you go into forums and spend any time, you'll find that. A video on it won't help you. They, right. I'm trying, I try to do everything properly through the interface when the interface is in beta and there's a problem in the interface the answer is go to the command line if you google at all or spend any time in the forums how to solve some of the problems you go to the command line and i've seen a few people post you have to use the set acl type commands from the command line so it's uh not a matter of tom doing a video on it to solve your problem your problem is you have to go to the command line occasionally and either strip all the acls out or rebuild the acls when they get goofed up um, that is still something as of right now, the beta of true NAS scale has some bug bugginess with. Um, I can get it working. It just doesn't seem to have the multi uh, tiered permissions with granular control that I could, would say is easier in true NAS core. So this is right. still one of those fuzzy points that uh, is there. The next thing I will talk about though is performance. I have a video detailing out before and after the be After doing an in-place upgrade, and no, it's not because of being an in-place upgrade. It's not like Windows where yeah. there's some weird DLLs floating around somewhere or anything like that that's causing uh, some weird problems. <laughs> Linux is not as um, mysterious. It's a fresh operating system install. It imports the ZFS pool into TrueNAS scale, but there yeah. are some performance issues. But the reason there's performance issues... Like we've talked about all the way up until here, there's so much engineering that went into all the extra features they added. That leaves us with kind of a deficit in type, uh, a deficit in time. And a deficit in time means we haven't had time to performance tune it. We made the feature work. And then we'll come back around because once it's working without error, and it is, um, my iSCSI and my NFS shares, no problem going from core to scale. They imported fine. They worked perfectly fine, so I didn't have to reconfigure them. The hypervisor I'm using is XCPNG. It had no idea the underlying operating system had changed. Uh, I went from core to scale, connected. All the VMs worked. They booted right up which made it really easy to do performance testing because I did the performance testing before going to, uh, for on core, shut down those VMs loaded scale, brought the VMs back up. They have no idea. They're not running on a BST. They're now on Linux, uh, you know, running as uh, far as their storage target goes and ran the same tests again. And the tests were, um, not as good. <laughs> we able to say that the, the years and years of performance tuning that's gone into TrueNAS Core is going to show up here. They've had so much time and so many versions to get it right, to figure out the most optimal alignment of settings in iSCSI or NFS to get the best results. That didn't happen overnight. It happened over years of development. Now that same process is going to be put in there i think it's going to not take years to get the performance tuning right it's just going to take someone taking the time to do it they just go to apply the knowledge they have because it's a lot of the same development team and narrow it down so this is going to be like one of those things that's going to take a little time i I would say we probably won't see performance until it gets in a release candidate because they're so busy you know doing these code sprints of let's get all these features in here let's sort out all these problems and uh yeah the performance kind of from an application standpoint there it's not like anyone's really using this in production well some people are me i guess you know and jay's going to be using it in our production but we're technical people who will muddle through the errors and drop to the command line and do a open a jira ticket when we need to
1: so (laughs) right right we we uh we we don't mind um now you you brought up the um the the way that updates happen and I want to you know take a quick diversion on that. I feel like it, it it we gloss over that everyone does. It's natural because when something works it's like okay, it works and then moving on. But the fact that it works, I mean, this is really great. I think that the way that TrueNAS handles updates is the way I think every operating system and platform should handle them because and I'm not just talking about TrueNAS scale at this point with TrueNAS core I install an update. I, I update to a new version. I can go back to a previous version because it's like it separates the data and the operating system yes. such that the you know operating system layer, the boot volume, you know, you could go back to a previous version and switch. Um, the only exception might be ZFS flags or things that are added later on. But yeah. um I mean, that's how I've envisioned or how I wish you know a lot of Linux distributions were, because if you have you know, the Linux distribution as a separate volume, separate from the data. And it's just you could replace it, switch it out. If something works, just boot to the other or doesn't work, you boot to the other one. And then what I wasn't expecting though, because none of what I just said is new. This has been true true NAS for and free NAS and, and and whatnot, but we converted mine to true NAS scale by just installing it in place. And it didn't overwrite the one that was there, it added to it. And there was an option at the, at the beginning where you could tell it what you want to do. So we so I added it, and I booted into it. That's when we discovered, uh, famously, that the encryption doesn't work. But it, it wasn't a problem because I, you know, Tom walked me through it. You just click on the thing and tell it this is the active one. Just choose the one from beforehand and reboot it, and you're back to the way it was. You don't have to reinstall anything. It's just like a pointer gets, you know, it's just pointing to the one you want to boot to. And um, there's Linux distributions that have a similar style already. So I don't want to imply that that doesn't exist. It's just not the norm. And TrueNAS makes it look easy. Like they just have it down. Like if everything else was this way, I mean, imagine you're running Pop OS or um, Ubuntu, Debian, whatever it is, and you could set it up like this. And then, oh, the updates broke something. Let me go ahead and switch over. We could do LVM snapshots, ButterFS snapshots already. We have ZFS on our Linux distro, we could do that. But with TrueNAS, it's just super simple to do. And it just works so well that I think it's a really good example of how to do it right.
0: Yeah. This is also, they kind of have an advantage because your data is always a separate physical drive or series of drives from your boot. Mm -hmm. So you can set up in a boot raid pool. And I mean, it's ideal if you built all your Linux just shows like this and you followed the path of mount home on a separate hard drive completely than your boot drive but then again jay's got a laptop in front of him i'm at a desktop but you know obviously when i'm not here i'm pretty, right. i pretty much use a laptop all the time when i'm not at my office with our editing workstations uh and granted you can get systems of multiple drives in them um and there's ways to do it with like lvm and things like that which i think you have a couple videos in lvm jay
1: yeah i have actually a deep dive video it's in the description of most of my videos nowadays there's a direct link to it and it i don't know how long it is but i think it's fairly lengthy and it just goes through lvm in general so if you need to learn lvm you can probably just watch that one video yeah most of what you need
0: yeah so there's there are ways to do it in there but you're right though It, it makes me very comfortable when i do these upgrades because i know implicitly that the boot pool is always stored separately now a few other things that are behind the scenes that i do like that's native is WireGuard is right in there, built into TrueNAS. So if you need to tie your TrueNAS scale system to other systems, and as we talked about clustering and management, WireGuard is natively built in. Uh, They did a nice job on that. And this, once again, becomes from the benefit of WireGuard isn't new to the Linux kernel. It's been there a while. So this is the Linux kernel implementation of WireGuard. So for those of you that want to have some servers that need to securely talk to each other, but they may be remotely... um, remote from each other, you can build WireGuard tunnels within them. And they built in OpenVPN to uh, the later versions of TrueNAS Core, so it's still there. And I believe WireGuard is supported in Core, but I'm not sure. But they're going to do some native support, which is obviously going to get a lot of people excited. It's also, in general, kind of a nice thing to do. So if your firewall maybe doesn't have WireGuard support or that's not where you want to do it, and you want to have remotely accessible data source. But people have asked me this, and this is where there's an abstraction layer problem. I want to give someone access to only one specific thing or one data set. And I'm like, no, no, no. One data set access to WireGuard isn't how that works. WireGuard gives them access to that particular system. You can bind a share to a specific IP address, I think, but that gets a little bit tricky. It's not where you really want to do. It's not for granular access, really. <laughs> it's That's right. a little bit more of a complicated topic. I'll at least throw that out there. It's not that it can't be done. There's just a lot more to doing it with IP restrictions and things like that when you build your WireGuard tunnels. That's going to be way down after full release before Tom gets to doing a video and explaining how to do it do that
1: (laughs) right that's going to be that's going to be a good video though i can't wait to see the final version of this even though i'm running it now so i guess it doesn't matter i'll just keep updating
0: (laughs) yeah now they are leaving in the other features so they aren't uh as much as they're doing this they are doing some uh, of the traditional things so you will be able to use this and i I have not tested this at all, but I have had people tell me that Active Directory support is there. I know, like, there's a button for it, but whether or not it actually works, I didn't try to tie it to Active Directory. But those type of things are in here. Uh, they did bring over the self encrypting job drive options. They also still have all the same. Matter of fact, one of the nice things, because you're using ZFS encryption, uh, going back and forth with the ZFS encryption between systems works perfectly fine. Uh, Your compatibility with core and scale or ZFS in general um, should work perfectly fine. Well, I can vet specifically that when you need to transfer things from core to scale and back and forth, that hasn't caused me any problems. Uh, Those are uh, well supported and well documented in there and it's the same uh matter of fact the replication menu works perfectly fine when you have to add it i've done videos how easy they've made it i love how simple it is i want to replicate this zfs system uh running true nas to this one and it doesn't care if it's scale or core you can go back and forth between um without i didn't have any issues at all moving data around between these matter of fact i had to do it this morning uh because i broke things and uh i don't know if i'll do it a video it's more I couldn't tell if I was having a hardware or software problem. So I formatted um, about 200 terabytes and started reloading it all again.
1: <laughs> we wow. think we've
0: narrowed it down to some loose things, but it's a, it's a lot. The, um, the speed at which it moves is pretty fast. Watching ZFS send, send data that fast on there. So
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. 200 terabytes. Wow. Um, yeah.
0: There's a lot of data we got to move around. So it's but a fair chunk. Yep. Fair chunk on there. I think that pretty much covers most of what we want to talk about there. Uh, We're excited about it. Mm -hmm. It's really a slick system. The things that I I see I'm going to ask the very beginning, well, what about NextCloud? Yes, NextCloud. Of course, there's a Docker image for NextCloud. I haven't set it up yet on there, but sync thing went perfectly fine. NextCloud is is a recent version. I think that's enough that people are going to be excited. So is... uh, What's the other one out there? Plex. Uh, there's new right. versions of Plex. New versions of that. I've had people tell me, and I have not tested. This, they got Plex pass through working. I don't have this set up at home where I use Plex, so I don't know how the pass through works yet. But uh, checking the forums, people definitely have been talking about it. So I noticed that there's a, a UI option for some of the pass through too. So that's kind of it's not something it going to necessarily all be from command line only, which means more people are going to like it. And like I said earlier, I'm not throwing so shade at the unraid people, but this looks like it might be a pretty solid for those of you that are waiting for all these features to come. This might be the time when you say, Hey, maybe I don't like unraid that much. If you like unraid and I don't, I just don't have a use case for it because I like this system better, you know, go use it. I'm not telling you, I don't have a reason not to use unraid. I did see someone point out that unraid does not have the uh, performance that you'll get. So if you are performance oriented, yeah, that is, True, it will not match with true NAS core. It might ratch match right now with TrueNAS scale because as I mentioned, the performance hasn't been stellar, but you know, that's that's file system performance as a storage target. The file system performance natively on the machine itself seems perfectly fine. So
1: yeah. I I was a little confused, and I don't know if, um, I mean, this is going to be kind of like speculation and whatnot, but, you know, when I read, or when I was reading yesterday to to, uh, get up to speed on this, you know, you know, why is there TrueNAS core and why is there TrueNAS scale? We covered it at the beginning of this episode, but to kind of peel that back a little bit, um, if you read the documentation from TrueNAS, they'll tell you, you know, cores, if you want standalone, if you want to scale out, go with scale, Yeah. That sounds simple to me, but where I guess I'm confused is that there's so much work being put into um, TrueNAS scale, so many great changes being made there. Why not just say, if you want standalone, have a standalone TrueNAS scale? If you want scale out, just scale out TrueNAS scale. But now, at first, they kind of like, you know, they consolidated, uh, you know, FreeNAS into TrueNAS Core. I kind of feel like they're creating the same problem again by now having another thing to maintain. Do you think yeah. they're just going to replace TrueNAS proper with uh, TrueNAS scale at some point? Because I no, would. Complete speculation as
0: well. I do not have any inside, even though I uh, work a lot and we are a reseller for iXsystems. systems, full disclosure here. I don't get any inside knowledge of in what they're doing here. But from an external perspective, I would say they're hedging their bets because mm-hmm. we all know BSD has been around a long time and uh, at some point i want to maybe dive in with michael lucas because i I, my favorite quote i've seen was bsd does it first but linux does it better there's a lot of history of bsd doing really cool things ahead of when that same type of feature set like containerization comes to linux but linux docker is you know maybe newer and fresher the way containerization works inside of linux but it's obviously More popular, hands down. And this can create kind of a problem. There, I would not call BSD project dead, but it does not have the same amount of development. Someone's going to point out, but Apple runs on BSD. Yeah, we know. Um, That's not necessarily the lifeblood of what keeps BSD popular. It's not going to go away like tomorrow or even five years from now. But if you're looking at the long term and they want to go where the market demand is, they know there's a market for this. So they're hedging their bets going, why not? Take advantage of this market, use all the skill sets we have. IX systems, their back end is to sell hardware and sell these systems. They want to make sure they have something that can compete in the market space. They want to have something that can compete that scales to the size and large data set needs that customers have. And that's not something they could build in with the free BSD. So I think they're making sure this other market segment is met but they also know the absolute dependability of their BSD systems. They're popular. And a lot of these are sold with five-year support contracts. So they're going to keep developing on there. They have their business is really good over at iX systems. They are selling a lot of these servers still with TrueNAS Core. That's what, you know, we're the one we're delivering, the large scale system we're delivering to a client is a TrueNAS Core system. And uh, it's going to be supported for a number of years at that particular client. So I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's them, It's like, well, we have all this expertise and we know there's a market demand that void will be filled by a competitor or it can be filled by us. And I think that's kind of where they're at with it of uh, doing it. It's it's different enough. It's not like they're abandoning ship and saying, no, we're not going to do this. But they really I, I don't know how well Gluster works inside of BSD. Like I'm not sure where its support is, but I know it seems to be well-supported in scale and Linux. The Linux world seems to like it a lot better. So I think this is going to be one of those um, filling that market gap before someone else does and also hedging your bets. Because what if 10 years from now, uh, BSD is even less popular? Where does that leave a company? Um, Let's start over, guys. We're 10 years behind and someone else already has a competing product. Now let's start on it. Or do we start today and use a lot of expertise? Now, what they did too is they... Um, Big framework change They modularized the middleware That runs it So you have the kernel Your your OS base level stuff Then you have the middleware system And then you have things like ZFS That it's attaching to Because of the transportability of ZFS Between these and just having a different Having the middleware be transportable This actually allows them to work on both projects Simultaneously so I think we're going to see Some of what's in scale come back Over to core like like you said, the UI has a little bit of a slick interface to it, but that's just middleware that can be ported over. I think it's all written in Python. The API calls, they start making them similar between the two of them. Now I can have interoperability with both systems without having to maintain two systems technically. Yes, I'm aware. I see someone always is going to say things like, well, Netflix uses BSD. Netflix does, but and they're definitely a big contributor back to BSD, but it's not necessarily um, – it, it's not necessarily going to be what keeps the project alive. It's what they went with because it was so good, but it's not like they won't switch if something comes along better that performs better for delivering content. So uh, it's yeah. what delivers content then, what delivers it in the future. Uh, it's going to come down to the popularity of a project and the number of contributors to that project to keep a project alive.
1: And it, it, I think in this industry, it's important to keep in mind that any change other than the um, things that come out all of a sudden that people get crazed about, it's kind of slow, right? Because if you look at in the Linux world, I mean, we're migrating to Wayland you know, from Xorg. We still have Xorg. It's still coming out with new versions. And I don't even personally think that every distro is going to move to Wayland until probably five years from now, but it's happening, however, slow. And then you look at the um, phasing out of 32-bit code which is still a problem now so you know like you said it's hedging their bets and um, any transition if bst is going to eventually not be as relevant i mean it's not like like you said it's not going to be tomorrow i mean it could be five yeah. years you know it could be a very long time from now so it's not like all of a sudden we're going to wake up in the morning oh bst doesn't exist anymore um maybe but not i don't think soon so i don't i'm not too worried about it
0: yeah, and, and me and Jay both have a background of working in the enterprise market. The enterprise market moves really slow. It is not like a home lab where we're just tearing things down and playing with the next great thing. Um, doing the, the, the amount of, legacy and the long tail of legacy support that we see in the enterprise market means if these are installed and they work and someone's familiar with them and they're managing a massive data center filled with TrueNAS core systems, they're going to keep demanding TrueNAS core systems until they cannot not get TrueNAS core systems in there. <laughs> so yep. if that, yeah, the enterprise market moves slow and, it, and kind of rightfully so if they built a business model on it and you can throw Netflix as an example, they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of really skilled BSD engineers. They're going to keep, bsd as long as they can because they don't want to change out the talent they have that knows how the system and you know when the net whatever the new show comes out they want it to be reliably delivered not going i don't know I, what happens when what happens when we release a new version of the witcher and everyone tries to watch it at the same time they know how to deal with that now but they may not know if they switch platforms so this is why we often see long support for things and things That's like true.
1: that true so. <laughs> i feel like the bsd developers if that ever did go down um they're pretty much good until they retire, in my opinion. They're yeah. not going to be jobless ever because it's no. like even if BSD goes out and no one's using it, you still have a bunch of companies out there that are using it and they don't want to move and they have unsupported systems. They'll probably hire those BSD engineers to keep patching their stuff that they're using and you know keep them employed. so um, I, I think it'll in, in the grand scheme of things, it'll probably work out just fine. You know, one thing I will cover
0: really quickly here. The virtualization that has been built into TrueNAS Core, you know, and the virtualization is built into TrueNAS scale. One, they're not designed in the same way or with the same thought process that I've seen that you would get from Proxmox, VMware, or XCPNG. XCPNG, Proxmox, uh, two popular ones that VMG have covered. And of course, we're all familiar with VMware, the elephant in the room. They're designed to have all kinds of features for live migration of virtual machines and really in-depth virtual machine management and orchestration. I've not really seen the effort put into a TrueNAS scale or core to do anything other than be able to run a couple of VMs in there. It doesn't have all this cool clustering and live migration. I don't even really see that particular feature on the roadmap in the same way. So I don't think they're going to try to compete with Uh -uh. orchestration systems that are well-developed for virtual machine management. They want right. to be the storage target for those things. They might be part of the hyper-converged infrastructure that's the back end of storage for them, but they're not as likely to be the competitors in that market space. Uh, right. VMware uh, VMware, and uh, Citrix have certified that TrueNAS Core can be their back end. Like they have a, a certification. So is Veeam, for example. So I think that's where their target is in their current customer base for large-scale paying customers is still huge in that market, and I just don't think they want to start going. Hey, let's try to directly go head-to-head with, and they would be in the in commercial market like VMware and build an entire virtual machine orchestration system. I don't really see them going there. It's not no. their. It's not really their focus. So it's not something that necessarily now for home lab people maybe it replaces something like Proxmox or like CPNGs. So you can run thing in one place, but for the enterprise market it doesn't seem to be exactly where they're going
1: i would i would agree because um there's really no value and i feel like it's a it's not a good business case one to do to try to do everything well you have right. your number one export the number one thing you do that what you're famous for you have these sub projects that enhance that but if you try to bring everything to the same level you're not going to do that so basically do one thing do it well and do some other things while you're at it just check some boxes but also, TrueNAS, I don't think they could ever compete with those virtualization solutions because they are doing one thing and they're doing it well. They they don't share CPU cycles between you know, this feature, that feature. It's for virtualization, so they're not trying to be too many things. It's running on the bare metal. And if if uh, TrueNAS was ever to actually be in feature parity with XCPNG and Proxmox, then the performance overall, in my opinion, will just go down and it'll never be as performant as a dedicated hypervisor solution would be anyway. And I think they know that. I think, in my opinion, virtualization is there to enhance the storage. So maybe you want to run some kind of application and you want to you know, have something to do with data storage and it doesn't run well in a container because some things just don't. Then you can run it in a virtual machine and it's good to run on TrueNAS because it's for a TrueNAS related feature set. And then for your actual VMs, you'll just probably run them on the hypervisor. So I think you as the home lab or enterprise admin, you'll decide you know what's important, virtualization, container, and what needs to be where, and they give you the flexibility to do that. But at the end of the day, it's uh, true NAS, not uh, you know true containers or true VM. Right. And I think one of the the popular use cases we're going to see is we've done this as a storage target
0: with separate servers, but with a better virtualization stack, I could imagine integrating to one server to make me happy. There are some commercial products out there for surveillance cameras. One of the challenges is uh, the demand, as the camera resolution goes up, the amount of storage you need goes up. Managing all that storage can be rather difficult. So the solution is you build the server that runs the camera software, and then you tie it to a backend storage, And we've done this like with TrueNAS Core. You go a step further and and the virtualization gets better because I never found the virtualization great in any manner. Sorry, Uh, it's always been bad in TrueNAS Core. I've always found it quirky and not great. But if they get KVM at least running so I can run a virtual machine in there, it would be very ideal for me to take one great system, load the... NVR software on there, and these are commercial products. I don't know of any good open source one, but you know, throw in whatever one you're looking for. And some of these, even though they're commercial and they're licensed, they do work inside of Linux. Uh, we run these for some of the school systems. If you had a good enough hypervisor, having your hypervisor be directly attached not through networking necessarily but through uh, a mount point that you've configured in there either be a docker container or if you did it through virtualization you have to do it through a mount point through some type of networking but you kind of get the idea where you're running it all in one place so the abstraction layer is minimum i'm not trying to run through a network switch over i'm running a virtual machine directly on where my storage is for a 300 cameras at running at 4k there's a lot of advantages of doing it all in one place. I think that's a strong use case for it, but having the VM separate doesn't make necessary sense. Like we talked about, it's not really an orchestration tool for that. Yep. So Hopefully that covers everything top to bottom and sideways and scaled out the, your ideas of how this works.
1: <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> just scaled your knowledge out a bit. I think. We
0: scaled your knowledge a little bit on, on Truenas scale. (laughs) Do check it out. Now, if there's a bug, you find this, product is in beta which means you're definitely going to find bugs there is a jira ticket system they have there are forums they have and this is important complaining about it on youtube doesn't necessarily get the developers attention if you want to actually help improve these projects and get these bugs solved which is why me and jay are tackling the beta product is so we can go in here learn how it works and if we find something that doesn't work you know i found a bug a while back on the way they were doing Encryption turns out it was a duplicate but still I did my diligence and found out that The import had an error on it There was a workaround for uh, the way the keys were imported. But these are type of bugs that get fixed because we take the time to report them. We make a reproducible problem, and I look to see if there's a ticket existing already, or maybe add my thoughts of how it can be better. That's how these projects get better. I always like to remind people of that because "it don't work" is a common YouTube. It's a stupid product because it don't work is another common YouTube comment. I'm like, it doesn't. It doesn't tell me what doesn't work or how do we really improve the project. So I always encourage people to make sure that they are. Filling tickets out on all of these things
1: <laughs> The more information, the better.
0: Yep. So we'll leave links. So I see, you know, where to find true NAS scale. Um, that's easy enough to find. We'll leave a link where you can download it. Of course, not that it's takes too much, but uh, get started with it. You can do the in place upgrade. I've got videos on that. Uh, I won't be doing too many videos until the product comes out of beta, but Hey, if you're enthusiastic and want to start playing with all this and me and Jay will be doing some, because Jay's going to teach me how uh, the Docker stuff. He taught me what a pod is. I didn't know. I'd yep. <laughs> like I Googled it, but you know, I happen to be yeah. sitting there next to Jay. So I was like, Hey Jay, what's a pod? Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you all for joining us. Smash the like button. Let's YouTube know that uh, other people should watch this. And for those of you that are listening, thank you very much for joining us on this and uh, see you next time. Thank you.